Hello and welcome to the Make Money and Stick It to the Man podcast with me, Dominic Frisbee. Um, part of the Flying Frisbee newsletter on Substack. I think I'm going to change the name Flying Frisbee to Make Money and Stick It to the Man, but it hasn't changed yet. Today's piece for you to ponder this Sunday morning is called How an Independent Scotland Could Become the Richest Country on Earth. An independent Scotland could become the richest country on earth. I'm not joking. It has all the necessary ingredients. Let me explain. Each year, the World Bank, the IMF and the CIA each independently publish a list of the richest countries in the world as measured by GDP per capita at purchasing power parity. The UK sits at a rather disappointing 26th. But topping those rankings, year after year, you have the likes of Qatar, Luxembourg, Singapore, Brunei, Norway and Switzerland. I'm discounting Ireland because its figures are distorted by the number of corporations domiciled there. Some of those nations have got on that list thanks to their oil. But oil isn't everything, otherwise the likes of Saudi Arabia, 17th, Russia, 57th, or it was... Iran, 65th, or Venezuela, don't know, would feature. Others have got there because they're financial or commercial centres, but the same regulatory options that have enabled them to be so are open to other countries. They just haven't been adopted. There is, however, one characteristic common to all the top ten ranking nations. It is that they are small. The UAE is the biggest on the list, with 10 million people. Switzerland has 8 million, Singapore and Norway both have around 5 million, Qatar 3 million, the rest are all sub 1 million. The US, 13th with 330 million people, and the Netherlands, 15th with 17 million people, are the only large nations to feature in the top 15. In 1950, and indeed in 1970, the US was top, Back then, though, its states were semi-autonomous and, on a gold standard, its money was independent. As its state has grown and power become more centralised, its ranking has slid. This is because there is a direct correlation between the size of the state and the wealth of the people. The bigger the former, the smaller the latter. The more power is concentrated, the less wealth is spread. But in a small nation... Forced to live from a smaller tax base, there is more of a limit to how big state institutions can grow. Monitoring becomes more efficient. It's harder to obfuscate, so there's more transparency and accountability and less waste. Change is easier to implement, making a nation flexible, dynamic and competitive. With fewer people, there is less of a wealth gap between those at the top and the bottom. The evidence of history is that the freest countries with the widest dispersal of power have always been the most prosperous and innovative. The city-states of pre- and early Renaissance Italy are a good example. There was no single ruling body except for the Roman Catholic Church. If people, ideas or innovation were suppressed in one state, they could quickly move to another, so there was competition. Venice, in particular, showed great innovation in turning apparently useless marsh into a, un into a unique, thriving city. Renaissance Italy became breathtakingly prosperous and produced some of the greatest individuals that have ever lived. 
but it would be overtaken by Protestant Northern Europe. The Bible was translated into local vernacular, and Gutenberg's printing press furthered the spread of knowledge, and thus the decentralisation of power. The pace was set by Holland, also made up of many small states. Then Britain led the pack. In spite of its union with Scotland and its later empire building, England would disperse centralised power by reducing the authorities of the monarch after the Civil War of 1642 to 1651, and later by linking its currency to gold. Since its unification in the late 19th century, Italy has been nothing like the force it once was, blighted by infighting, bureaucracy, organised crime, corruption, rent-seeking, inflation and division. Its state is bloated, its political system dysfunctional. So back to Scotland. With independence, it would have the opportunity to enact the same legislation, taxation and regulation that other top ten countries on that list employ, following, say, the blueprint of Singapore. It already has a rich tradition in trade, finance and banking. It has the oil. And with just five million people, it is small. It has all the ingredients to be the richest country on earth on a per capita basis. It has the triple. I can think of no other nation in the world with such a wonderful opportunity. The Scottish contribution to the world, whether in engineering, invention, industry or finance, has been astounding. Think Adam Smith, Alexander Fleming, John Logie Baird, James Watt. You cannot doubt Scottish talent. They're a formidable people. But they do not dominate the global stage as they once did. There would be a tough period of adjustment to get through, yes, but independent, living off their tax base, with dynamism and self-belief restored, they can do so once again. But first, they must make the right choices. Thank you very much for listening. Please subscribe to the Substack channel and please consider um, a paid subscription where I tip once or twice a month. I'll put out a special report tipping something or other. Um, at the moment, the tips are flying. They're doing really well. Uh, it's a bull market and we're having fun.